Nickflix, what's in the queue? All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Nickflix Podcast. I am your host, Nick, and today is a very special guest who I've gotten to know through our little uh, Twitter podcast group. He is the host of the Fundamentals Podcast, which you could check uh, an episode that I just guested on uh, that dropped uh, technically last week when this episode drops. Uh, please welcome Harley. Harley, how you doing, man? Hello, I'm very well. Thank you for having me on, Nick. It's an absolute pleasure. Yes, yes, man. And I, like I just mentioned, since this will be dropping a week after we record, your Guardians, our Guardians episode will have been out for about two weeks. That was a lot of fun. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to today getting to talk about uh, something a little bit different than uh, superhero films. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot different, really. But um, yeah, yeah I, I think it's a good pick. I think it's quite a, a varied very bunch of films I've brought to you and to be honest there are two that are incredibly close to my heart so I'm really thankful to you uh, to give me this opportunity yeah so just so just a little background uh for people before we get going in this so um Harley and I know each other through uh Sarah Buttery who's I've been on her podcast she's been on mine and vice versa for your uh yours um mm -hmm. we kind of have this little group on on Twitter of of podcasts where we kind of help each other out, you know, share our episodes, guest on each other's uh, podcast. So it's been fun. It's been a really good community. I'm going to be working with some more of them later on this month coming up. Um, but I had reached out to you. Uh, uh, you know, I got to go on yours with Guardians and I wanted mm -hmm. I wanted to give you an option to pick what movies you wanted to talk about. And you couldn't have picked two more, <laughs> two, two very good rock comedies, uh, mm -hmm. rock and roll music, but two very different approaches to the movies uh, <laughs> in today's two choices, which, uh, like I kind of mentioned to you earlier, why don't you kick us off with the first movie you'd like to talk about? Ooh, okay, okay. I'll tell you what, let's let's start with um, probably the easier of the two to watch, and I think School of Rock. Um, okay, great. From sort of age upwards, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's one that I just absolutely adore, and it's one that I stuck, I discovered it at quite a pivotal time uh, in my youth. I think anyone who, who knows me knows, and this is going to become very apparent in your podcast episode here, that uh, I have a great love for rock music um i mean you can see on the camera we're talking to i've got a massive amplifier behind me i've got a bunch <laughs> of guitars off to one side and fun fact i spent pretty much all day today rehearsing for potential band practice soon so you know th this sort of stuff has been in my veins since i was like, 10 years old and this film just came out at around the right time you know the the absolute dream that would have been you know my childhood <laughs> to have jack black come in and teach me the ways of, of rock and roll at such a young age. I mean, it was brilliant. It was one of those just, uh, yeah, it spoke to me really on, on that level. And it's a film that I continue to enjoy. Every time I go back, I get something new out of it. It's just wholesome. It's fun. It's been described on another podcast I was on, um, Unequal Sequel, by one of the co-hosts, Dave, as a warm hug of a film. And I think that is the perfect description for this movie. It is one of those that is just so wholesome, so entertaining, as much as I can go into the weeds about all the musical stuff, I do think it's one that you can enjoy, even if that's not necessarily a genre of music that you uh, gravitate towards. I think it just has a lot to offer. And I would argue, to add on top of my very long rambly bit here, <laughs> that it's one of Jack Black's greatest performance, performances. Oh, hands rather. down. Hands down, yeah. yeah. And I and I, I like how, how uh, 
it being described as a warm hug because it's really yes. a movie that anybody could like and you don't have to yes. like rock music um, or even you don't even have to be the biggest jack black fan which i i i love jack black i think he's mm-hmm. so underratedly talented um even though he yeah. is a big star uh but he uh it, it is one of those like perfect time movies where he was just starting to blow up yeah it, it's kind of like it it's 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 similar to will Farrow doing like elf right as his yeah. career was starting to blow up and yeah. it's kind of like that it happened with jim carrey it's happened with adam sandler comedic actors their careers are so ebbs and flows where they're yeah. either on top of the world and then what have you done for me lately which is what's the new shtick you're gonna do and <laughs> and and some have pivoted really well i think mm-hmm. jack black's one of those where he doesn't have to be a star of a movie anymore to still be really effective. I think, and, and having tenacious D like on the, basically as a side thing, but still very famous for that. Like he could kind of do whatever he wants at this point in his career. Uh, and the fact that he comes off as like maybe the coolest dude in the world, just like you'd love to hang, play video games, play music with him. I don't play guitar. I'd let him teach me guitar, but yeah, I just think uh, school of rock is, one of those movies that's like at the right place in his career. Yeah. Uh, it was a very good director, Richard Linkletter, who's done mm-hmm. a lot of really good hangout movies, you know, dazed yeah. and confused. Uh, a more recent one from 20, uh, 2016 that I always recommend is everybody wants some very good movie. Oh, yeah. If you've never seen it. Um, but yeah, it was a good director, a good, a, a good actor at, as he's starting to have like the height of his career. And, a cool idea of a movie, one that's yeah. really never been done, which is just this guy <laughs> fakes his way into being a substitute teacher for a prep school and finds out these kids are very good at music. So mm-hmm. um, if you haven't seen the movie, that's kind of the description of it. He's a, a, yeah. a slacker musician who everyone thinks is a joke. His roommates, uh, he keeps calling him a temp, which is a good joke in the movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he's a sub and. He basically pretends, steals his identity to be him, uh, goes to work at this really expensive school and finds out that all these kids, not all of them, that a handful of them are very talented and uses them to kind of trick them into becoming a band with him for a Battle of the Bands contest. So it's not like this crazy uh, story. It it would never happen in real life because these prep schools would never let you leave. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. It is cool. It's one that I remember the first time watching it in theaters being like, this is a really cool movie. And mm-hmm. it's actually one of the first movies ever bought on DVD. Yeah, same. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So that, and, and now revisiting it, I was excited because when you picked this, I was like, "Ooh, this is a good one. I've, I've not talked enough about this movie, so I'm excited <laughs> to kind of get I know you kind of had your background of it coming up uh do you play Mm. which type of guitar do you play so i mean i basically live in the sort of rock to metal genres um i always say if it's down tuned and it's got high gain amps then i'm probably there um it's just a lot of fun so yeah this this movie is like a gateway for that sort of stuff and i mean just one scene that's just sprung to my mind I, i remember doing this um pausing this scene actually when i had the dvd was he's got that sort of montage and he's teaching the kids all the stuff and then there's like this blackboard and he's written all these different bands and all these different genres. And he's kind of like done this sort of mind map of all these different bands and genres like spread out across time. 
And I remember pausing that DVD and being like, okay, who's that? And then writing it down and then writing. And some of them I was already aware of. Like my dad's a massive Van Halen fan. If you've mm-hmm. listened to my podcast, that becomes really apparent because I've done two episodes on Van Halen. Um, I'm also a big fan of Metallica and bands like that. And they're all sort of mentioned and featured. ACDC, you know, Hendrix, like all of these sort of staples are brought into this film. And it was just, like I said, a journey of discovery for me. But also something I love about this movie is it just reaffirmed that I was correct to enjoy this type of music because it's not something that was particularly popular growing up. Um, And so, yeah, to watch a film where it's just a group of kids that have fun cranking up an amp and slamming drums and doing crazy keyboard solos, you know, it's like, it's just joyful. It just makes me really happy to watch it. And it's just, for me, it's a beautiful reminder of the power of music and how it can bring people together. And, And like you say, for Dewey Finn, like, jack black's character goes on that journey you know he thinks it's Mm -hmm. all about being a washed up rock star and doing stupid solos and stage diving when no one's there and (laughs) trying to live which is a a true story by the way that he witnessed that at a concert (laughs) and thought that was hilarious where the guy i think it was the the cure maybe i forget which band it was but he goes he tried Mm -hmm. the the lead singer tried to do a stage dive and no one was there to catch him and he goes that's funny just do that yeah sometime and it is great yeah. in the movie. The 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 opening of the movie is so great because you see right mm-hmm. away the type of rocker he is, which is yeah. just he gets too caught up in the music. And like yeah. it starts off kind of normal where you're like, oh, no, he's a good singer. Like what I like about the movie is the joke isn't that he can't play. The, the joke yeah. is that he just doesn't understand how to like go from an 11 and maybe tune it back down. Everything yeah. for him is yeah. he tries to be the god rock star and it's like no just mm. your part this is your part in the band and so i'm glad mm. they didn't take the approach of oh he actually sucks at guitar and singing yeah. um because yeah. jack black's way too good he's got a great voice mm-hmm. um i mean he's great in the movie uh all the songs mm-hmm. he sings uh and like you said kind of the montages of after everyone's already you know he's given everyone a part and like i I think we're talking about the same montage where Mm -hmm. he has like freddie watching neil pert drums so he can like i love that montage it's a great Mm -hmm. montage and and also when he's when he first gets the idea watching the kids play in the Mm. in the school and it's playing um uh jimmy hendrix and he's like uh going back and forth loading everything into the into the classroom and then it's like okay the kids walk in and he's like okay like one by one here's the people in the band i love that scene where he's trying to like help them out like here copy this note and uh yeah you know the the you know what were you playing there a cello okay we'll turn it to the side and cello you got a pace (laughs) like it's like it's like they take a little bit of the jack black isms and then they but they keep it in the confines of a script. It didn't seem yes. like it was a lot of improvised, though it does sound seem like he, I'm guessing, had a lot of hand because it is very rock mm. heavy. Like it's if you like rock, you know, like rock appreciation, uh, rock <laughs> theory. There's, uh, but but something important too is he actually is really nice to the kids in a way that, oh, yeah. and kind of shows the way the school system they're in is is not really setting them up for their potential. Mm. Um, and I think the movie, while it doesn't get preachy about it, I think it shows it in a way that's like, no, he does actually care about the kids as much as he wants to win battle the bands. He actually mm. is doing something that's really beneficial for them. Yeah. As he famously says in the film, 
I've been touched by your kids. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I touched them. Brilliant line. So yeah, good. Oh God. But, and it's such a good spot in that movie. Too. It's so good. But but the, the, the sincerity, I think, is genuine. And that's what I love about it is it is about him going on that journey. And like you say, that there's initially that kind of like, it's kind of a scummy thing to do. It's like take advantage of the innocence of kids just for your own monetary gain. But he learns that lesson along the way. And like you say, it's all those montages. It's him hanging out with them, writing songs. One of my favorite bits in the film is when he sees that like Zach's had a bit of a rough time and like his dad's being a bit too harsh on him. So he takes a moment to like cheer him up in the class and write a stupid song about it. And he just enjoys, it, you know, having that fun and also like showing them that music can be fun. You can have the play. It's the playing music. You know, it's a big part of it. And yeah, like you said, I think there's that sort of moment. It's a bit of a turning point in the film where he starts to realize, oh, actually, I care about these kids and I want them to have fun. I want them to to do this show. I mean, the whole point of him doing the show at the end you know, even though he kind of is hoping that they'll win, the whole point of the show is to just get them that opportunity that they've mm. worked so hard for it. And he sees it and thinks, yeah, do you know what? Let's just take a risk. Let's just do it. And it's such a beautiful moment as a result. Yeah, you could almost uh, we could have almost paired this movie with Dead Poet Society. It was funny. I was yes. thinking of I was thinking yeah. of I'm like, should we save school a rock for a teacher episode? And I'm like, well, mm. no, because he's really not a teacher. This is really like you said on the surface. What he does is really terrible to like the, the <laughs> yeah. best is when they go. Can we tell our parents? He's like, ah, no, 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 no. They don't they don't want to <laughs> know about this. Uh, and I, I love the whole. You know, like his his nicknames with the kids, you know, there's the the one yeah. flamboyant kid who when he calls him fancy pants, but it's not in a mean yeah. way. It's really loving the way he their yeah. relationship yeah. and how the kid has so much sass with him, like his back and forth with all the kids are great because each kid mm. and him have a special. Um, and I guess there's there's a true story about. Um, the the Asian kid who played Lawrence um, actually mm. wanted to back out of the movie. And he yeah. t- the, basically the conversation he had with Jack Black where he's like, I'm not cool enough. Uh, he mm. had that with Richard Linklater and he was like, no, no, no. He's like, you're perfect for this part. Like, like yeah. believe in yourself. You'll be fine. And I think what's great is mm. the trope of like a teacher being there for his students. It it didn't come off in like the tropey. Oh, you know, guys, come on. Like, like it, it felt earnest. And also yeah. like it felt like it. Like those moments made sense, not just to make it a sappy, you know, come on, kids, we could really do this. Like it felt like real relationships, really, that he had with with his students. Absolutely. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they really got on on the set as well. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if you've heard the commentary for this film, but it's brilliant. Like, there's, I think there's different versions, but the one I really enjoyed listening to was with the kids Um, and it was just a lot of fun hearing their perspective on it. And that's the impression I got from listening to it was they really did bond with the guys, with Richard Linklater, with Jack Black. And it was like a fun set. Mm-hmm. And as you say, those moments then came across very naturally and it wasn't forced or cheesy. It was just like, no, it's it's just him just hanging out. And, and also those moments like that one with Lawrence is a really good example. That's basically how he would, would cheer him up. You know, if that makes sense, like it's, the way he does it is very Jack Black. It's, you know, he does little hand puppets and, yeah. you know, makes, you know, says you're going like, to be the cat. very pajamas. complicated. Just, well, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's not like a suddenly like he turns into like a super serious, deep person. He just makes little silly jokes and like, you know, puts him at ease in a way just by being 
fun and lighthearted and it immediately set, settles him down and yeah i love all these moments man it's just it's one of those films where it's like an ensemble cast that just come together as you say in a really natural way uh yeah i think it just sells helps to sell the premise for sure well that and i think one of the most like kind of like the mvp of the movie who didn't get enough Mm -hmm. um shine was uh joan cusack is fantastic in it she's so funny because she's just so uptight and the scene when she's disciplining the little girl the little girl's like i'm sorry i swear she's like you like a hug Ah." she's like oh well just next time be more conscientious okay like she's she plays such an uptight character and what i like about it is it didn't turn into a love story with her and jack black Mm. he kind of flirts with her and you think it might go that way but it never does um yeah which again would have been like the tropey thing is like oh he needs to find the girl to help change him and instead it was like no it really was just him and the kids it was about the relationship um and also i mean it helps for the movie that the actual song that they sing is a freaking banger the teacher's pet song is so good um it's awesome and they actually put on the whole show which is great that they don't Mm -hmm. cut away from it that it's like no we're gonna actually let these guys do an actual performance yeah and it's fantastic uh but just to rewind a little bit because yeah yeah the joan cusack i'm so glad you brought that up (laughs) because that was on my notes and that scene with them in the bar and how that sort of you know it's it's a very funny it's silly but then i love the sort of following bit where they're in the van and he just drops her off and then you just see her shield just come down mm-hmm. and i kind of love that moment again i think it's another pivotal point in the film where you sort of see dewey cox just kind of realizing oh i'm actually having an impact on people's lives here you know it's initially it feels like a bit of like a cheeky scam no one's getting hurt and then that kind of moment he realizes oh you're a person oh you've got feelings (laughs) oh okay and it's it's really sweet and it's really i love the way jack back plays it it's so subtle but just like the way he just sort of he's clearly uncomfortable by this but he still tries to like cheer her up in a way you know even if it's just to call her cool it's just to kind of break the tension but it's it's just a lovely moment and again i feel like it's one of those little bits they just sprinkle in as you say in another film in a lesser film it would feel awkward and forced whereas that you kind of just given these little moments and i think it does chip away at his character and like you said it doesn't turn into a big love story or anything like that it's just helping the character to realize there are consequences for your actions and that not everything is quite as it seems you know like mm-hmm. like you said she's quite uptight she's quite over the top in that way but i don't know about you man i just feel sorry for her by the end you know like yes it's just which awful. makes her scene with the parents great when she walks in oh, and she's like, so oh, funny. we have lost your kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but what I think this movie does a good job of is it's super tight. It's only like an hour, yes. a little over an hour and a half. But because they don't have to get into Dewey's backstory, mm. really, you don't have to get into her backstory. You don't have to get into I think sometimes movies try to fill you too much with like, well, well, here's why they're like the way they are. Yeah, I think audiences are smart enough to be like, you could figure out he probably was just a kid who loved music growing up and mm-hmm. he just never cared about getting a normal job or or going to school. It was rock and roll. That was his life. Mm-hmm. We didn't need like a flashback or some right. like right. monologue from him. Like, that's what I like about this movie. It was very much like, here's this situation and that's what we're talking about, you know, and and Mike White, run a, uh, one of the writers of it, who's also his roommate. Um, yeah who's great in it. He's so funny. Uh, and yeah. it's funny to see like Sarah Silverman play like the uptight, you know, 
character because again yeah. it's kind of early in her career but i mm-hmm. you wouldn't cast her in something like that now whereas like mike white mm-hmm. i think it could play like he just plays these like kind of weird dorky pathetic guys but he's great in it it's like you know yeah i'm not gonna let you push me around while he's letting his girlfriend he's like what man i may yeah. never have a girlfriend again just yeah. like come on <laughs> help me out here like he's 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 very very talented writer too. I know he's the yes. creator of the White Lotus show, which is which is crazy. Um, oh right, okay, I didn't know yeah. that. There you go. Yeah, uh, and uh, but no, I mean I think the movie does a good job of. There's not too many characters, uh, but mm. all the kids really get their own little moments where. But again, you don't have to get into all their backstories. You just you kind of right. get an idea. Um, and I mean, like I said, I. I I just think it, the the warm hug way is the best way to describe this movie. It's it's mm. very rewatchable, which ultimately that should be every movie's goal is that people want to rewatch you all the time. Um because yes. I've seen great movies where like one that I Manchester by the Sea, great acted movie. Okay. I don't I don't ever want to really rewatch that again. It's just too depressing. Uh, <laughs> where like, not that every movie that's depressing is not rewatchable, but just some, I'm like, okay, cool. Great movie. Awesome. Like Bravo. Yes. You guys did a great movie. I don't feel like I need to rewatch it. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. like school of rock, just throw it on. And it's like, ah, that's just such a, it's like a comfort movie. It's a very is, comfortable, yes. uh, whether it's a hug or a warm blanket. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, uh, but, um, Hot yeah, drink. so when when you when you picked that one, that that was I was excited because it had actually been a while since I rewatched it, and now I've rewatched mm-hmm. it twice in the last like <laughs> few weeks. So it's like, oh yeah, this this movie. When my kids get a little older, I like to show them it because I think yes. just uh, there's enough elements in it for everybody. I I definitely agree. That's, this is what I mean when I think it is a film that has something for everyone. Um, and again, it's just. It's the joy. It's the joy that comes out of this film. That's what I love. It teaches kids to play. Like you said, there's that backdrop of the really harsh preppy school, like everything they do. It's just so intense, you know, like it's all about, like, like you said, they're being prepped for their future. And there's the demerit money system. I love that demerit yeah. system. That's so good. I mean, Miranda Cosgrove, like what a great uh, little bit of casting. By the way, there. looks the exact same now as she did in 2003. Yeah. She is yeah, yeah. like, she's going to be like 60 and look like she's 20. Like she really yeah. is an ageless one. Not that she's old. I mean, she's in her early thirties maybe. And it's like, she just yeah. looks the same as she did in, in the early two thousands, mm-hmm. but she's exactly. so good. She's the perfect stuck up, not stuck up, um, but like brown nosers, good yeah. student type. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, but yeah, I love that where he's just like demerit. He's like, what are they teaching you kids? And rips it yeah. down. He's like, there will be no stars. There'll be no demerits. <laughs> Um, which, yeah. you know, Freddie kind of makes a good point is he's like, why are we, why are you guys all upset? We got to goof off for three weeks. He's like, and, and then Dewey <laughs> and Jack Black matches it too. He goes, any school would love to have a teacher who just lets you guys play rock music. Yeah. And again, I, but the thing is, is they all learn something from mm-hmm. it. They all develop skills that they have. And even the kids that aren't in the band they still learn skills, you know, whether it is how to put on a light show or, you know, how to design merchandise, how to manage a band, you know, there's all these sort of skills that they pick up and it's all through play. And I love that. And I love the sort of juxtaposition of all of that versus the, the setting of the school, the uniforms, the, like the chalkboard I mentioned earlier, like it's really old fashioned and gray and all of the halls are like these big Victorian, halls that just seem to go on for ages and echo and 
it's just like it's a perfect setting for all of that and like you say in amongst all of that there's this little spark of creativity and like i I just love so much about it i mean there's even the fact that they nearly get busted that's one of my favorite scenes where jack black has to sing a song about maths oh god and it's like so really cool thing (laughs) i love that scene where he's just like oh what you want to watch me teach okay uh (laughs) yeah no, yeah, it's that's... nine. <laughs> yeah, that's You're... right. I was testing you. Testing you. <laughs> it's nine, and that's the magic number. <laughs> it's brilliant. But again, it's yeah. just fun. It's like, yeah, it's just a joyful film. And as you say, towards the end, man. I mean, that song. Not only is it just a great straight-up rock and roll song. Mm-hmm. The fact they get to put on that performance, that they hired out that venue, and they just filmed it all day, and it just looks awesome it looks so good like all the costumes the light show they just like you said give them that at the end of it and it works it fits you're not questioning it at any point going like and they all play which is great that's what's so cool too is that they all actually these kids played these instruments i think yeah yeah whether you knew that or not it just brings a whole nother realm of authenticity to the movie um when you're like oh my god that's all them because we all know jack black could sing and play guitar like that's Mm -hmm been pretty unless you didn't know anything about jack black like that's been pretty well documented before that movie <laughs> yeah. um but like yeah that that show at the end man it, it's so good and hopefully the i don't i don't know how like broadway shows work between going from like the u.s overseas yeah. but you know school of rocks a really good show um mm-hmm. if it ever does come to to where you are man you should check it out because it's oh i'd love to yeah, yeah they it's but yeah my, my wife talks about it. she's like oh my god it's it's one of those shows that we they're playing at like a small theater by us but if it comes to broadway i'd like to like to see it um absolutely but yeah definitely yeah. definitely a good one um so any other final thoughts before we get into your your other music pick which is gonna be <laughs> Yeah, I mean, all I would say is just if you haven't watched it already, like just give it a go. Because like you said, you might think, oh, it's about rock music. Oh, I don't like Jack Black. Both of those things don't really matter to the film. It's so much more than that. And it's it's one of those, again, I, I argue it's one of Jack Black's better performances because mm-hmm. it's it's definitely him being, in his words, behind the scenes of this film contained. Even though it's quite funny if you watch the back, the behind the scenes that Richard Linklater insists that that's not true and that actually Jack Black's a way more gifted performer than he gives himself credit for. I think there is a bit of that back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's well worth checking out. Like you said, great songs. It's a musical that's sort of not a musical as well. Like if you're somebody that maybe is a bit unsure of musicals, the songs yeah. are in the right places. If if that sort of thing bothers you, um, I don't know. Personally, I, I've become turned around on musicals, so I don't really care. I'll watch anything. But it's really good and yeah like i said just to quote dave curtis it's a warm hug of a film how much more can you ask for (laughs) well to go from a warm hug to a pretty groundbreaking movie um now uh full disclosure before we get into our second film there was going to be a third one i Mm -hmm. hadn't seen it yet so uh if anyone has i'm gonna give an early cue recommendation uh, check out The Rocker. That was the other film we were going to talk about. So that one, maybe we will down the road. But this mm-hmm. next one was pretty groundbreaking for the type of movie it was being a fake documentary, um, mm-hmm. but coming off so realistic that I think if you didn't know it was fake, you might have thought this was a real band. Um, yep. And that is the Rob Reiner classic. This is Spinal Tap. So 
uh harley to you man what uh, <laughs> which an a plus of a movie by the way so i'm only laughing yes. because it's just such a juxtaposition to school of rock because this is oh, the yeah, exact massive. opposite type of movie but again all about rock and roll but just done in a completely different way i yeah absolutely man and this was a film that for obvious reasons didn't immediately follow my watching of school of rock but it wasn't that far behind it was a couple of years uh, so i was thinking about 15 16 when i first stumbled across this film and as you say by that point it had achieved legendary status as one of mm. these just iconic comedies of all time never mind the fact that it's about a heavy metal band as you say it's just an, a brilliant brilliant comedy and so yeah when i finally got my hands on it I was just absolutely overjoyed with what I've got. And as uh, as similar to sort of School of Rock, it's one of those films that I rewatch on the regular. And every time I spot a new gag or there's something I didn't quite catch the first time round, and it's so brilliant. And to touch upon something you just said there, Nick, part of the genius of this film and why it's so timeless and so funny is because it hits so unbelievably close to home <laughs> on so many <laughs> levels that i think it's just aged so well as a result it's brilliant oh, it, it, it is so i having just rewatched it um so i hadn't watched it in a long long time so so this was like my first i think as my kind of taste have matured over the years where I still like silly comedies. Don't get me wrong, but like this oh, movie yeah. is one I think you need to rewatch multiple times. Cause there's so many good bits and yep. so many good little jokes. Um, mm-hmm. you know, just, just to kind of start off the, the whole, not the whole first couple minutes, but like the first bit in the movie is about the, when they're getting interviewed and it's about the history of their drummers dying tragic, like always <laughs> randomly. And, and I, I'm not going to mean to try to do this accent, but just the way they're like, oh, yeah, you know, he died in a in a gardening accident. And uh, the, the police just said it's it's better left unsolved. And like, yeah. there's these there's yeah. these great like, oh, yeah, no, Stumpy. Yeah, no, he was great. Yeah, no, he died. And everything is like, yeah. oh, yeah, no, our drummer. Yeah. Choked on vomit. And they're like, but it wasn't his vomit. And they're like, yeah, someone no, else's. It's, yeah. It's someone else's. But you can't like fingerprint vomit, you know, like there's so many good. <laughs> And then they're just like your last drummer. Uh, and he's like, yeah, we were playing a show and he just like randomly combust, which they're like, you know, it actually happens more than you would think. Like that whole like three minute bit uh, about like how casual yeah. they are about like, oh, yeah, our, our drummer died. <laughs> like, yeah, it's um, so good. It's so it's good. So good. And it's right in the beginning of the movie. So you got you get like the mm. sense of like, OK, yeah, this is the, this is like the kind of bits that they're going to be doing in the movie. Mm. Um. But yeah, that that's great. You know, the movie starring uh, just really quick, uh, Michael McKeon, uh, Christopher mm-hmm. Guest, and Harry uh, Shearer, who most people will know from. Now you can't tell in this movie, but he's voiced so many Simpsons characters. Yep. So he's not not been as many like on screen stuff, but like his legacy is really like doing the voices of Principal Skinner uh, on The Simpsons and other characters, but. Uh, and Kent Brockman, but like, he's so good. He's got, he gets a lot of the little bits in the movie. I feel like Christopher Guest and Michael McKean get like more of the jokes. Um, Mm -hmm. They're kind of the leads. It's kind of like a split lead between the two of them. Um, And then obviously Rob, Oh God, God, sorry. I was going to say, yeah, no, Rob Reiner is, yeah, Yeah. not to cut you off, but just, I think that's such a good point you brought up there about the dynamics. 
And again, it's one of the things I think that makes this film work because that's kind of the dynamics of a famous rock band, mm -hmm. typically, is you'll get the lead guitarist and the lead vocalist will sort of be the front and center. And yeah, like you said, the bass player is usually the one just kind of hanging in the back, keeping it all together. And the drummers yeah. are pretty insane, or in this case, just dying randomly. I mean, like you said, just such a <laughs> stupid one. <laughs> but a stupid but th that's another thing, man. It's like all of those bits in the movie um it also comes with the album reviews like all that stuff where they're just mm. sat in a garden and it's just them improvising um from what <laughs> I've heard, of like a lot of it is just them like they have a premise of like okay the joke is your drummers keep dying and it's just them coming up with more and more ridiculous ones and you can see that once you know that and you rewatch it you can see that they're trying to get each other to laugh yeah and the same happens in the reviews and the albums and like or they talk about their eras and that you can just see that they're just trying to get the other one to break yeah. It just adds and, that other layer to it. It's brilliant. It's so funny. And it works in a movie like this because if you're making a documentary, yes. if, if a character cracks, it's okay. But like, mm -hmm. they, 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 and, and now you don't want them like laughing every two seconds, but there is times where you could tell they're like, like you said, they're trying to make each other laugh. And mm -hmm. I almost feel like if it's too scripted, this would not work. You have to no. have actors who could improvise. But mm -hmm. But I think what people misconception with improvising is they just think you're randomly. It's like, yes, it's random, but you're you're staying in the structure of, like you said, hey, your drummers keep dying. How are they dying? You know, and then they're coming up yeah. with these like like the gardening thing where the, the line that's funny <laughs> is him saying the cop going, it's it's better just left alone, <laughs> better left unsolved. No cop would ever tell someone, oh, yeah, no, it's just better left unsolved. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Like, it's you know, that the, the, yeah. the, the vomit thing. But yeah, like that, that's mm -hmm. one of the. That's like the first big bit in the in the movie. Uh, there's there's too many to name. So I was thinking, mm -hmm. let, let's start with, do you have like a favorite bit or one that maybe you yeah. think is their strongest? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm incredibly biased as a guitar player, but one of my favorite, favorite bits is when he's talking to Christopher Guest as the legendary Nigel Tufnell about <laughs> his guitar collection. <laughs> and any guitar player will just cringe with embarrassment when you watch that scene because it's so true it's so unbelievably true if if any one of us is fortunate enough to get into a band and get signed and get money the first thing you do is just blow it on a load of gear that you don't need and it's just a brilliant scene where he, it's just him and rob reiner in the room just looking at all these guitars and the way he talks about them is just utter nonsense but it's exactly <laughs> how guitar players talk about it where like he's talking about the les paul and it's like the sustain on that you know i can hit a note and i can walk away and have a cup of tea and come back and like it's just stuff like that that is exactly how guitar players talk about the guitars and like it's a tiny joke in that scene but it's one of my favorites is there's one in the corner that's like dusty and has a price tag on it and rob reiner goes oh what's this one and then he goes no no don't touch that one it's like no no don't even look at it and he's like oh it averts his gaze and it's, it's exactly again i've watched documentaries with guitarists in multiple bands where that is the case where they've just got guitars in boxes or on shelves that they've never touched and they never will they're just there as collector's items it's brilliant um and of course it's followed up by the absolutely iconic scene with uh with the amplifiers that go up to 11 <laughs> which is such a stupid stupid gag but it's so brilliant and just the line why don't you just make 10 louder and then that be the top and it's just the pause of nigel tufnell goes but this goes to 11. <laughs> he's got, he's got a lot of good stupid, like with the, the deli uh, spread where he's just like, look how small yes. the spread is. How am I supposed yeah. to make a sandwich? I go to fold it and now it breaks in half. I don't want it. 
Like, yeah. and, and what I love is that they, so here, I always wanted to ask someone with, with a, with a, a British accent is that, so yes. like for the, for like, I'm a Midwesterner. So like a lot of people will do an exaggerated Midwest accent. Uh, yeah. like if you ever watched an SNL sketch back in the nineties mm-hmm. with the, 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 you know, the bears and stuff like that, those, that group yeah. of guys, the super fans. Yeah. While not a lot of people in Chicago sound like that, there are a handful who actually do. So I wonder, right. like, what do you think of their accents? Because obviously they're, I don't mm. know if like they'd be considered Cockney, like, but they're like, I think it's like a stereotypical to how you would be like, oh yeah, we're a British rock star, you know, like the way they, the way they talk in the yeah. movie. But I'm always like, I wonder how, because obviously it's a comedy. So, I, yeah. you know, I don't think people get offended by it, but like, does yeah. it sound at all like authentic at all or like? Not particularly i think yeah it's it's, it's, to me it's always registered as like a blend of like the beatles the rolling stones okay it's various sort of bands that are just kind of from everywhere in the uk and like the accents kind of drift all over the place yeah um but but it works in the movie they could be it works yeah Yeah, i I think (laughs) harry shearer um i think is the only one that kind of sticks closer to like a liverpudlian Mm -hmm. beatles accent whereas like you say nigel tuft or just kind of goes a bit cockney and then he goes a bit sort of I don't know, kind of, kind of Midlands, and like he sort of jumps all over the place. Yeah, and it's the same with, um, yeah, it's the same with, uh, oh, what's his name, Michael McKean's oh, character, Michael McKean, oh David yeah, David St. Uh-huh. Hubbins, you know, yeah. similar thing. But <laughs> that's, yeah, that's it's. But to be fair, it's pretty good. It's pretty yeah. good, and it's one of those that I think, unless you really knew the dialects and the regions, you could be forgiven for thinking that. Oh yeah, they're they're British actors, or it's a British band, or as we said earlier, it could be a real band. That's the mm-hmm. other thing. Like I know, I know plenty of people that have thought that, and in the past, for sure. Know. Yeah, and I think it's funny how like, uh, like English actors could do American accents where you can't right. tell they're from, and a lot of people like like Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who didn't know he was had a british accent until i don't think an he, knows he has a british accent yeah no fair. he he does one of <laughs> the best i think like american <laughs> accents you know uh but yeah yeah but it's like the opposite i feel like Amer like yeah. you know someone born in america when they try to do a british accent it's almost like okay you know that it's it's clearly mm. someone doing an accent um yes. but but they are great i i love uh one of my favorite bits is a physical gag is when they get lost trying to mm-hmm. find the stage at, hello, the, at Cleveland. the one. Yeah. Hello. Cleveland. <laughs> when they're walking around, he goes, Oh no, you got to go down the hall, make a right. And then like, a, like three doors, you know, do make a left. And they're like, okay. Yeah. And then they walk around and like, yeah, it's gotta be somewhere here. And then they find the guy again. He goes, Oh, you made the wrong turn. Didn't you? Like it, again, it's a small bit, but like, just them not knowing where the hell they're going in the in the yeah. shop or in the uh, in the venue. Um, also, mm-hmm. like I think mm-hmm. one of the probably most quoted lines is the you know such a fine line between stupid and clever. Like there's these great little <laughs> yeah. th- there's there's too much in this movie to like yeah. to try to go through every bit. Like I said, it, mm-hmm. it's one I think you you got to rewatch a lot because, like you said, yeah. you will catch little subtle jokes. Mm-hmm. uh throughout the whole movie but again yeah. it, it, it's it, it's kind of a movie that like paved the way now 20 years later for a movie like borat which is a fake yes. documentary but you don't know that he's a fake character like no i think i think that movie takes like the spinal tap of like let's do a fake character documentary but this time we're not going to tell people that we're filming a movie um 
you know, so I think like a movie like, you know, Spinal Tap could walk so that Borat could run and be apeshit yes. crazy. <laughs> um, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, um, and uh, no, sorry, oh, go, go ahead. On. Yeah, go no, on. you're good. <laughs> so there's a lot of bits we could do. I was going to say the other one really funny one that I think mm-hmm. is so clever and to me probably went over a lot of people's heads who is the when they draw the stone hedge, but he marks it in inches not feet Mm -hmm. on the napkin and then they get on stage and this tiny little instead of an 11 (laughs) foot tall stone hedge it's an 11 inch tall and they're just like they're like what the hell man he's like he put inches on the sheet he goes no i meant feet he goes this was written in inches it's like to me that's a genius joke that if you if you don't catch how he's writing it they kind of have to explain it a little bit, but like uh, to me, that joke is just so funny because you could see that accidentally happening mm-hmm. where someone doesn't realize they wrote not yeah. writing feet, just writing the parentheses for it. And they put it in inches, not feet um, that that joke. And then, you know, uh, Harry trying to get out of the pod when they're mm-hmm. in those like little alien pods and he can't break yeah. out of it until the very end of the song. So he kind of gets he gets a couple little good like physical humor bits. Um, like yeah. the metal detector gag and like, oh, you know, so yeah, he get, he gets a couple good ones. Oh, so, so gross, but so funny <laughs> yeah, at the so same gross. time. <laughs> but again, it's, it's that kind of thing where it, it, it's that kind of puerile, silly humor that just, um, that kind of, it gets woven in with all the mm-hmm. observations and all the clever gags and stuff. And, and, and the thing about it, like you mentioned a bunch of great iconic stuff there, like the, the pods, the, set pieces going wrong it's stuff that is so close to real life that one of my favorite things about this film is just how much it upsets rock stars particularly in this era (laughs) because it came out like 1982 so that was like the height of so many bands Mm -hmm. power and it's just the list of bands that just said oh i couldn't watch it or i had to walk out (laughs) or like you know or got angry about it it just speaks to the genius of the writing Mm -hmm. that it just hit so unbelievably close to home that it just made them uncomfortable. And if you get the DVD or the, the behind the scenes features, I highly recommend you listen to it because there's some great interviews with a bunch of bands, even bands of today, sort of modern era, that feel the same way, that will like comment on the fact of like, oh yeah, for example, Artie Fufkin, this like <laughs> bumbling idiot of a rep that, you know, at one point is like, kick my ass and, you know, like just being really <laughs> weird and creepy. They're like, yeah, I've met a few Artie Fufkins, and like just hearing stuff like that, or like they're saying their yeah, names we... are so good in the movie. They're God, so good, aren't they? Just, they're so but, like, ridiculous. It's brilliant. But again, a similar thing of you know, yeah, we we ordered this set piece and it came in the wrong color or the wrong yeah. size, and you're like, oh, these things do happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's brilliant. I mean, one of my favorite bits is even like the whole egotistical the band splitting up. You know, the sort of. <laughs> Yeah, just and and the absolute childishness of it, where it just devolves into them just screaming and swearing at each other and acting like five year olds, and you're like, "Yeah, that happens." And I can see yep. that why a lot of bands would feel uncomfortable watching it because it is life imitating art sometimes. And um, one famous film, I don't know if you've seen it, that sort of came out. I want to say like ten years ago now. Um, it was a story of a metal band called Anvil. No, I've never heard of that. I'll oh, to... it's really interesting. It's um, they were a band that like back in the eighties was a duo, mm-hmm. and they they were sort of headlining big sh- big shows in the eighties, and then they just sort of dropped off. And it's it's a real documentary like that follows them around and their kind of, in air quotes, return 
mm-hmm. to the to the world stage. But a lot of people have said that that is like the the real life Spinal Tap, and it's true. It's one of those <laughs> films that you watch it and you're just like, oh lads, you know. And it's okay. it's the same thing, not quite as ridiculous, but it's not yeah. far. I want to check that out though now because that sounds dude. Like you yeah. should. Or <laughs> I will. I'll put that on the list. Or if you're a Metallica fan, um some kind of monster the documentary that came out in like 2003 i want to say around the infamous saint anger album it plays like spinal tap like there's just stuff that happens in it that is just so ridiculous and it it feels like a sketch out of spinal tap but again it's that thing of they absolutely nailed it they got these guys spot on and again what i love about it is as time goes on and as the sort of rock stars of the time that they were making fun of have aged it continues to age well. It continues to mm-hmm. be like something that is relevant to the point where we now have a sequel on our hands that's in the works, apparently. And I am really confident that it's going to be a good one because there is so much material to mine oh. from like the last 40 odd years. You, well, know? you can make fun of TikTok. <laughs> you can make fun of social media. Like, there's so yes. much they can do. Um, yeah, because mm-hmm. I, I know their, their actual the drummer who's their drummer um like in the movie passed away in real life but i mean the three main leads are all still alive mm-hmm. so that's that's going to be cool cuz i mean michael mckeon's a great actor uh, oh, but he's yeah. so good in this movie but they all are and mm-hmm. i'm just thinking like there's also a lot of good supporting characters you know uh fred mm-hmm. Lil- uh willard was in it uh when he's oh. that you at the 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 <laughs> army guy who's just like oh yeah you know we're excited to have you guys here and it's yeah. supposed to be this clean concert and they're they're doing their sex farm song that's really <laughs> funny like there's there's so many good gags you know Fran Drescher's in it uh yeah. mm-hmm. you know there's so like it it has um a feel of a Christopher Guest movie like the best yeah. in show like like it has mm. that type of humor in it kind of but it wasn't his you know this was a Rob Reiner film but like like you said it's yeah. it it's the we like we call it in the states is inside baseball when you have something mm. that's really in depth on a topic that if you don't know about it you're kind of a peek behind the curtain. I could see why yeah. all these rock stars were like, "Damn it, that they're making us look stupid." And it's like, "Well, because <laughs> that's probably how you act." And yeah, part of yeah. it is like, "Look, rock stars are like as as much as people want to be maybe famous actors or famous sports athletes, like rock stars." are what I think everyone is like, if you could be a rock star would. And mm. there's a lot of what their lives are like where you're on the road all the time and your ego mm. gets big. Mm. And so while yeah. this is played for comedy, I'm sure, like you said, there's been a lot of these mishaps at shows oh, yeah. where, and usually it's drugs and alcohol mm. related too. Yeah. But um, I-, I tell you but, the thing they nail, and I think this is where they're going to get most of their comedy for in the next one, is this fact that Spinal Tap like refuse to accept that maybe they're the problem when it comes <laughs> yeah. to their music dying off because that's the whole premise of the film isn't it it's them yeah. coming to america doing this tour and they're trying to get this big comeback because album sales have declined reviews have gotten bad the fans aren't quite what they used to be and the whole mindset that they have throughout the whole film is it's oh it's the fans it's the fans you know it's the mm-hmm. it's the principal skinner meme of no it's the children that are wrong you know yeah. and it's like <laughs> that's the premise of the movie and just all the stupid stuff they come out with, like you say, like, oh, the fine line between clever and stupid or like, what's wrong with or, being sexy? No, it's yeah, what's wrong with being sexy? I was just going to say that. I'm like, when he goes, what's wrong with being sexy? And they're like, no, sexist, <laughs> sexist. That's that's different. <laughs> yeah. And, and all that stuff. It's like, it is just that 
mentality of just like no i'm i'm right i'm stuck in my ways and i refuse to change because like you say the ego gets inflated i mean there's one brilliant bit where they bump into an uh some other rock star in a hotel and as soon as he leaves they're like talking about him behind his back and they're like oh yeah he's so terrible we opened for him once uh, no no we came on after him and they were so they were still booing him when we came on stage and you're like <laughs> oh my goodness it's but again it's just like it's exactly what some of these guys are like i mean mm. not to go too off on, on a tangent but like i listened to an interview not that long ago with um sammy hagar you know he was talking about the van halen reunion and and all of that and that tour and it was a famously a disaster because of stuff like this and according to him and according to some footage you can find on youtube again it it all plays out like spinal tap like it's just these ridiculous things these ego sort of driven contests that they have between each other and it's so dumb but there's so much of that that's happened over the last four years and nowadays like you don't have to look far in the sort of rock and metal uh, journalism don't know why i said journalism then but anyway um you don't have to make it sound fancy you just um you don't have to look far basically to see that there are so many and they are clickbaity articles yeah but there are like interviews with guys that are the old guard who are you know who were the big big cheese back in the 80s who are now complaining because oh these kids use uh, you know, backing tracks on some of their live record, some of their live settings. It's like, yeah, it's because they've got a song with like 20 keyboard layers. They're not going to get like 20 <laughs> keyboard players, are they, dumbass? But it's stuff like that where they, you know, things in my day were better than this and blah, blah, blah. And it's that same kind of delusional mentality, which is still there. And that Spinal Tap absolutely caught at that moment. And I think mm-hmm. personally, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they go back to, because again, it's just a gold mine. There's so much you can go back to. Basically, what I'm trying to say in, in a sentence is you can mine so much out of hubris. And that's basically oh. what these films all, are all about. And I, again, I cannot wait for the sequel because there's going to be so much that they can just throw at you. <laughs> it's going to be oh, amazing. Oh, for sure. I, I think in the fact that it's it's all the originals returning is great. And yes, it, it's going to be good. It, yeah. At the worst case, even if it's like a, hey, it's going to come to Amazon or Apple TV Plus to stream. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I just want to watch it because you know that yeah. they're, they're, they're not going to do this movie. It, it's not a cash grab because it's not like this is Spinal yes. Tap is like in the sixth movie of the franchise. It's like, no, I think yes. this is just a fun. Let's just because of the way the landscape is today. Let's go make fun of stuff. And yeah, yeah. And, and also, have, let's be honest. The guys involved aren't hard up for cash. I mean, Harry Shearer no. is a multi-millionaire as a result of The Simpsons. He's one of the like most you know? wealthy voice actors ever. Like he's, yeah, he's exactly. yeah, he's made off like a bandit because that show's been yeah. around for forever. Um, and uh, and Michael McKean's been in a thousand things. Christopher Guest mm-hmm. was yep. is is a more of a high profile director than than actor, yep. but like they don't need anything. I mean, it's yeah, that's the beauty of it. Is it's like look. They're just gonna go have fun, and it's just gonna mm-hmm. it's gonna be really interesting to see the the how they incorporate uh, incorporate like the new age stuff with music into that mm. same. Well, it's not we're not the problem; it's everyone else. Like you said, it's it's yeah. the hubris thing. It's Will Ferrell's built a career off of playing characters whose hubris gets the best right. of them. Like it's yeah. it, it's one of the easiest it's one of the easiest things to make a joke about, but you have to be good at it. Because there's yes. plenty of bad comedies where the character's full of hubris and it doesn't work. So you mm-hmm. really have mm-hmm. to still be smart or, or have or have something so ridiculously funny 
you know, mm. that, that, it, that, it, uh, it'll play well, but yeah, right. man, no, when you, when you approach me with these movies, I was very excited. Cause it's like, <laughs> man, these are just two great rock movies that, that yeah. just take again, polar opposite approach, but both incredibly rewatchable. So, um, yeah. Thank you, man. And to be honest, yeah. again, I, something I think that helps this film to sort of age well as well is that it's not mean spirited. I don't think mm-hmm. I th- it poke it definitely satirizes and pokes fun of rock stars, and the fact that they reacted in the way that they did only confirms that they are right. You know, <laughs> but but it ends on a positive note. It's something I like about the film as well. Similar to School of Rock, it ends with them doing a show, coming together, putting it on, and. You know, there's no bitterness, there's no anger because again, it's about the music. And yeah, they're still the same ridiculous characters. They haven't grown that much as the film's gone on, but it ends positively. You know, it ends yeah. with them reuniting and having a go. And yeah, it's great. And similar to School of Rock, this the actual songs, songs plural in this movie oh, are great. just incredible. Yeah, they're really so good. funny and and really well performed as well. Like yeah. genuinely, they're really well composed. So, and, and that's yeah, what probably sets it over the top. Uh, it's similar yes. to the movie Walk Hard with John C. Riley. The fact that he's such a good singer yeah. is that yeah, yeah. what makes that movie work is um, that he's that he's good and he's actually playing. Like again, I, I yes. think it's one thing to if you got to lip sync someone. I mean, I wouldn't. I would rather you play. You know, get people who could actually play. But like the fact that both School of Rock and This Is Spinal Tap actually have good mm-hmm. songs in comedies. That now Hard the Spinal Tap songs are funnier but like they're actually really well done that's what's that's what's so good about it um yeah well dude man this has been a blast Uh, this was a lot of fun talking to you about these and uh why don't you let uh the good people know where they could find you and if you have anything coming up you wanna you wanna talk about awesome oh thank you thank you so much for having me on i'm always happy to come and, and talk about these films uh yeah so i guess to take yeah like you said take us home you can find me on Fundamentals Podcast. It is pretty much everywhere you get your podcasts, I assume. I mean, it's what I'm paying for, so I hope that's the case. <laughs> but yeah, if you would have recently heard the latest episode, by the time this comes out, would have been with yourself, Nick, talking about Guardians. I mean, I don't know if I can recommend a better jumping off point for people of this podcast. They can hear you. They can hear you talk about great episode. amazing trilogy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you do say so yourself. Yeah. 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 You know, not, not to be biased, but it is a pretty damn good episode. <laughs> I agree. I agree. But yeah, basically the, the whole point of the podcast is it's exploring pop culture, one conversation at a time. So it's not just films. I've got a few film-based topics. I've also done a whole run of sitcoms. I've done a lot of musical episodes this year. But there's also stuff on sports. There's some like very obscure things within pop culture that I've done. So go there, have a look. I think there's over 80 odd episodes at the moment. Uh, I am on a little break at this point in time, but I am gathering some more episodes to come back in the summer with some really great guests and topics. So yeah, just hop over there, have a look. I've had the privilege, as I said, of yourself, of Sarah Buttery mentioned earlier, and a whole host of just really awesome people. So feel free to check it out. Awesome, man. Yeah, no, Harley, it's been fun getting to do this. And a couple of quick Q recommendations uh, before we sign off here. Um, uh, I definitely, A, check out School of Rock, and B, check out uh, This is Spinal Tap. I uh, can't mm-hmm, recommend mm-hmm. those enough. Um, check out the uh, Fundamentals podcast. I know it's fun. I always go to say Fundamentals, and I'm like, Fundamentals, <laughs> Fundamentals. Uh, no, it's really great, man. Like you, like you said, not to... Mm-hmm. Not to keep uh, praising you, but it's—I uh, mean, you—you oh, no, you have it. a wide variety. Where like I'm not even a music guy, and I've listened to some of your music once, just because it—it 
it's people talking about it. Like you said, it's pop culture stuff, but everyone's passionate about what they're talking yes. about. And that's ultimately yeah. why you should listen to a podcast. So, yeah. Um, and, and then uh, a quick cue recommendation for a show that I just finished the first season of on Amazon uh, called The Legend of Vox Machina. Um, mm. It's a kind of a, a dark comedy, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. It's it's not appropriate for kids. It is a cartoon, but it's not appropriate okay. for kids. But it's kind of a mix of Dungeons and Dragons meets Guardians of the Galaxy meets uh, the Invincible show, because that's the type Ooh. of the violence and 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 kind of uh bad language i guess you could say but it's really okay. good it's a great show i'm starting season two hopefully this week so yeah and i guess their third season they're in the works right now so definitely one worth checking out um again everyone this has been another episode of uh nick Flick's podcast uh and uh to quote uh the legendary spinal tap you know it, it is such a fine line between stupid and clever <laughs> this has been another edition of Nick Flick's podcast. I would love to hear your feedback on the movies discussed in today's episode. Feel free to leave a comment on the official Nick Flick's Twitter page, which is at Nick Flick's pod or on Instagram at Nick Flick's podcast. You could also give a follow and leave a review on either Apple or Spotify that will help me reach a bigger audience. Thank you all and stay tuned next to see what's in the queue.